Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Future Brew on MazerBrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. And we are back. It's been a couple weeks since we last recorded. And lo and behold, all of Michigan recruiting, just all hell broke loose pretty much over the last couple weeks. Had some uh, commitments for the good guys. Had some players go the other way. So we're going to kind of talk about all of that today. We've got John Simmons and Seth Barry on the line as well for this podcast. John, how you doing, man? It's been a wild couple weeks on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I know. I'm glad to be back to discuss it all. Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, one step forward, two steps back on the recruiting trail, it feels like. Good and bad things keep happening. Yeah, it's it's been something, dude. Like, you know, we had some some good news and then some bad news and then some good news again and then some bad news again. So that <laughs> it's it's been a roller coaster uh, the last few weeks, truly. Seth, how are you doing, my friend? How's your last uh, couple weeks been? Yeah, I've been I've been doing pretty good just you know keeping up and following on all the recruiting news that we've had and you know at least the roller coaster is better than than no ride at all I mean it's what it felt like for a couple months there so at least there's some some intrigue and things to things to talk about as things kind of progress you know whether they're they're up or down or good or bad at least we're we're on the ride now instead of it stalling like it had for a little while so that's a good thing I think (laughs) Yeah, I uh yeah, I I was at Cedar Point one time about to ride the Gemini and we had to stop uh on that first ascent up because someone brought their purse on the ride so we were stuck there for like 20 minutes. That's pretty much what football recruiting has been for the last like several months. I it was very very slow, no commitments and now boom, everything's happening all at once. 
So we're going to talk all about all of this, what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Let's just start with the bad, like, like the, the really, really bad. And I hate to like start the podcast on this note, but it will get progressively better. I do promise. Um, so since uh, kind of what, what I alluded to, been a hot minute since we last recorded and uh, uh, many good things have happened. This one's not uh, five star in state 2023 quarterback Dante Moore announced last Friday his commitment to Oregon. So he is firmly locked in uh, with the Ducks at this point. And uh, it's been widely known that he's been Michigan's number one overall target, regardless of position in this 23 class. He was the only quarterback Michigan had offered throughout the entire recruiting cycle. Jim Harbaugh personally offered him when he was a seventh or eighth grader, some somewhere in middle school. Uh, but for some reason, felt the need to kind of take a back seat in this recruitment and let Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore and some of the other assistant coaches uh, take the reins in this recruitment, try and reel them in themselves. Um, so this entire thing, uh, this whole strategy here, um, it, it failed with Dante Moore. It was something that didn't necessarily fail with some of these other recruitments like Donovan Edwards and Will Johnson, kind of the guys that they like went fully all in with Jim Harbaugh kind of took over these recruitments and got those guys to commit to Michigan. This time he took a step back and uh, ended up uh, not being good news for the maize and blue. So John, I'll pass it to you. Um, in your opinion, how big of a loss do you think this is for the Michigan 2023 class? Because in my opinion, uh, I think this is single-handedly the biggest loss uh, in the Harbaugh era at Michigan, as far as the recruiting trail goes, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's definitely a huge loss. Um, just considering how concerted of an effort they made on more, um, you know, being the only guy they really recruited up until this point, which really puts them back when they're trying to find a replacement for him since so many top quarterbacks have already committed. Um, but yeah, it just makes you wonder about Michigan's strategy here because you know, like you said, Harbaugh personally offered him when he was a seventh grader. Um, there, he's the only QB that Michigan recruited this cycle, but Harbaugh never got involved. So you kind of wonder why, because he has done it before the recruitments you've mentioned and it's worked and you see him doing it now with like Jaden Davis in the 24 class. who I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Um, you know, you already see him getting more involved there than he did with more. So you kind of wonder why, you know, did he not think as highly of him? as the rest of the staff did, or, you know, was there something else like distracted with the NFL stuff and the Vikings or who knows, but it just kind of seemed kind of disjointed with him and the rest of the staff for like why they were going all in, but there's still a little bit held back on Michigan's side. So just, you know, it makes you, it'll always make you wonder, you know, what would happen if he did get more involved and kind of uh, took over the recruitment, if they could have eventually pulled it out, like, you know, Moore said he was close to, committing to Michigan towards the end, um, which, you know, is kind of surprising to hear given that uh, Michigan fans never really thought he was kind of ready to wrap it up for Michigan at any point during his recruitment. Yeah, I, I was certainly surprised to hear that and see and see that quote on Twitter. I think I know which one you're referring to. I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure how truthful that really is. I, me personally, I like, I don't know the kid. I don't know anything about like, you know, the inside baseball of this recruitment. But to me, I feel like Michigan was always kind of on the back burner and like the fallback plan. I, I don't know how 
truthful that statement really is. Perhaps he was incredibly close to committing to Michigan, but I digress. Seth, I want to uh, have your thoughts uh, about this as well. I, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this whole recruitment and just the strategy that Jim Harbaugh ended up going with that ultimately ended up failing. And uh, yeah, just curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah, I saw that same quote that you guys did, and and was a little bit surprised by you know Michigan being him saying Michigan is close, but I I kind of agree with you on that, Vaughn. I, I think it was kind of him more or less throwing them a bone, you know, saying, hey, you know, you guys have you guys have been recruiting me for a long time, and you know this is, um, you know, appreciate all that, and I can just you know I'll just say it's close, but like I said, I don't know for sure, but I thought it was kind of along those lines as far as the strategy. Um, that Michigan implemented here obviously you know the first thing you know like we talked about it is a it's a massive failure failure on the part of of Michigan um, regarding more in this class Uh, and obviously you know like John was saying you look down you know the the 247 list of you know even the top 50 quarterbacks um, you get the three-star range and and a lot of those you know almost all of them are committed to to a school. Um, so there's, there's, there's seemingly nowhere to go in this class. Obviously, you know, we can talk about the 2024 class and how that might play out, but, um, yeah, they, they kind of got themselves stuck in terms of, you know, we're, we're going to go after more and we're going to go after, after just him. Uh, like I said, it, it, it is puzzling about, you know, whether, you know, why Harbaugh wasn't, wasn't more involved in this, uh, like you guys said, and he, and he has been in the past when they've been able to land some, some bigger targets. So, so yeah, it's just, it's all around uh, disappointing uh, as far as the recruitment goes for him. And I think you can blame, you know, you can blame, you know, the strategy, you can talk about NIL and what Oregon may have offered him there. I mean, I know we don't know all the details of that either, but I mean, you, you think of a school like Oregon, it's, especially with the the recent news of, of UC, USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten, it's like, Oregon doesn't even know where they're going to play football in two years or what the Pac-12 might look like. So um, whether they come to the Big Ten or, or what happens, but just so to, to lose out to a school in that situation, I think is also uh, frustrating for Michigan fans. Yeah, just frustrating all around. And I know that they've got a lot of NIL money from, uh, you know, Nike and and all those other collectives and things along those lines. But yeah, it's certainly frustrating when you, you bring up a good point about Oregon, not really knowing where they're going to be playing football or any athletics uh, in the next few years. Uh, could it be the PAC 12? Could they join the big 10? Uh, none of that is, is a, a, a fact at this point, we don't really know where they're going to end up going. So, I mean, perhaps he ends up playing in the big 10 after all, but that remains to be seen. Let's talk about, QB recruiting moving forward. And I wanted to throw this your way, John, first, because uh, at this point, I mean, we've talked about, uh, you know, the, the what Jim Harbaugh wanted to do uh, at the quarterback position in 23. It was Dante Moore or bust, and they busted. So now, um, in your opinion, what would you do, John? If, if you're Jim Harbaugh with QB recruiting, would you just look towards the 24 class and just go all in on Jaden Davis and kind of do the strategy that you had done with all those other high ranked kids in the past, like the Will Johnson's of the world and really take over as uh, the head recruiter of the recruitment and secure an elite player uh, in the junior class. Or 
would you try to get a guy in the 23 class or maybe even the transfer portal? I don't know if there are any options out there at this point. I don't think there are. So if you go the transfer portal route, you'll have to wait until probably after the season or perhaps sometime in the middle of the season. If some kid hops in the portal, you might have an idea of uh, who's going to be available. So um, you, know, you are now Jim Harbaugh, John. What do you do? Uh, I guess you look at all three options, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't think they have to go to the portal until after this season anyway, since that's when uh, Dante Moore would be on campus. Um, so I think that's a possibility. But for now, you definitely want to push for a guy in the 24 class like Jaden Davis that can become the leader. Like you said, I think that really helps. You know, you look back at the J.J. McCarthy's and Will Johnson. Um, you know, recruit, recruits like that who kind of uh, become the leader and recruit their peers. Michigan's kind of listed, missing that in the class so far um, this cycle. So it's been kind of tough. You know, they don't have a lot of high-ranked guys that other other high-ranked guys want to play with. So you really want that guy in place. And if they can get Jaden Davis to commit, um, if he comes up for the barbecue, that would be huge. Um, you know, there are reports that he wants to shut it down. Um, after his uh, junior season, but I think they'll really push him and pitch him on being the leader of the class. So we'll see if that works. Um, but, you know, you also don't want to skip quarterback um, for a cycle. You know, they took two last year, which is good. You know, they're not the highest ranked players, but it does give you um, some guys in the room that have been learning the system and, you know, they could uh, hit it as well and be a good addition. But, you know, you also want to keep an eye on someone like Brady Drogo, who's committed to Cincinnati right now, or someone who just kind of blows up over a senior year, um, you know, kind of like how C.J. Stroud did when uh, Michigan and Ohio State really battled for him after he had a really good uh, senior season and ended up going, moving like all the way up to third QB in the nation. You know, it doesn't even have to be a guy that goes that high, just, you know, another good, solid guy that you can get in the room and uh, give yourself another lottery ticket. Yeah, I, I think you got to go after a quarterback in this 23 class no matter what. I don't care who it is. You need somebody. You can't pass on quarterback in one class. Even though they took two in the most recent recruiting cycle, you never know because uh, a guy like Alex Orgy could end up on the defensive side of the ball and play linebacker, or perhaps he's a gadget-type A.J. Henning player and is a running back wide receiver hybrid. You just don't know until all of this plays out. So I think you got to take a QB at some point while also going all in on Jaden Davis, a, a terrific talent um, oh, among the best quarterbacks in this class, uh, in the 24 class. He's a really, really good prospect. And it, like you said, John, it's so important to get a leader in your recruiting class so early, like J.J. McCarthy and Will Johnson, the two guys that you mentioned, those were ambassadors for their recruiting classes. And like you said, Michigan doesn't have one in 23. Cole Cabana is the highest ranked kid in this class. And honestly, I, I he could be one of the more quiet guys in this class. I really don't see a whole lot uh, on social media or otherwise from Cole Cabana. Um, it's just interesting how this all kind of plays out now. Zeph, I want to throw it your way as well. Do you agree with, with our takes? Or do you think that they could perhaps skip out on QB? in the 23 class if the right guy isn't available. Yeah, no, I think, I do think it's a good idea to, to go after a, a quarterback in the class. Like you said, even if they're not the, 
not the highest prospect. I mean, just to have, to have someone there, I think is a good, you know, a, a good strategy. Um, as far as the 24 class, like I said, yeah, I agree, you know, go all after Jaden Davis. I think as far as the strategy goes, you know, in the 24 class, first of all, with, I mean, you have uh, Dylan Raiola to Ohio state, who's the number one quarterback. So you have two of your rivals, you know, even though they haven't, you know, they're not, haven't played Notre Dame, but you have Notre Dame who took CJ Carr out of your backyard you have Ohio State with with Iola, um, a, a couple top quarterbacks there. So Michigan, th- the pressure is even building even more. I feel, you know, considering what's happened kind of around them. So, um, you know, like I said, if Davis gets that barbecue, that's going to be big. And I know they they've had momentum on him early. Um, you know where that goes from, where that goes from here, we'll we'll kind of see. But but yeah, just just everything building around. And, and as far as the strategy goes with Jim Harbaugh, like. Like maybe maybe you take the lead, um, like we've talked about, like especially with him being, you know, so-called a quarterback whisperer. Um, I know a lot of these recruits, I mean, they've they've had, you know, their parents um, or if you talk to, you know, like my dad, he'll, for example, oh, yeah, I love Jim Harbaugh when he played or whatever. Like it's I, I feel like he still has that pull in terms of, you know, just just people trusting him as a kind of a quarterback evaluator and uh, talent developer. And, you know, if you're going to if that's your thing, then, then take the reins on that and, and lead in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally agree with what you just said about Harbaugh kind of having that name hold a little bit more weight than what you would expect out of a head coach, like just anywhere at any college program, like he's more of a celebrity than a lot of the other, like you, of course, Nick Saban, everybody knows Nick Saban and, Dabo Sweeney is a very well-known guy, but Jim Harbaugh, I mean, he's been on TV. Uh, he's uh, just always on social media with the, I mean, even the goofy stuff, like the, the, the vacation dad stuff from like this past week or two weeks ago or whatever, like people just love the content that Harbaugh provides. So yeah. And you see the recruiting interviews and the articles all these recruits talk up Jim Harbaugh like no other. They always say, oh, he, you know, he's a goofy guy, but he's really down to earth. And you wouldn't expect that out of someone like him. And it's because he is a, like a celebrity uh, comparatively to other college football coaches. So, yeah, I, I think he should take the reins with Jaden Davis for sure. And hopefully uh, if he does end up visiting for the barbecue, lock up that recruitment for sure. Let's go to the good news, boys, because it hasn't <laughs> – Hasn't been all doom and gloom in Ann Arbor uh, since our last podcast. In fact, quite the opposite. Other than Dante committing to Oregon, everything else has been relatively good. Michigan's picked up four commitments over that two-week period, and these are all pretty solid prospects worth taking in the class, in my opinion. None of them are going to be, you know, like the uh, uh, the Will Johnsons or the J.J. McCarthy's of the world, you know, five stars. They're not five stars. They're not going to lead the class in, in terms of getting more talent. Um, uh, but these are all solid prospects worth taking. Let's go back to the afternoon of July 1st when three-star 2023 wide receiver Frederick Moore committed to Michigan. He is six feet tall, 175 pounds, ranked number 491 overall in the composite, just 28 spots lower than Michigan's other receiver commit, Samaj Morgan. And just a few hours after that commitment, Michigan picked up another in the form of 2023 four-star linebacker, Samaj Bridgman. And he is 6'2", 
230 from Philly, number 306 overall on the composite. And this commitment, in my opinion, is uh, was a little bit more welcoming uh, than the Frederick Moore one. Not saying that his wasn't, but Samaj Bridgman really filled a need considering Michigan lost out on Raylan Wilson, the uh, a former commit in the uh, top 100 overall four-star linebacker. Uh, and then he, if anybody cares about this, he committed to Georgia over the weekend. Uh, so uh, there's that knowledge for you. John, I'll uh, pass it to you with uh, these two guys. Uh, very welcome commits, in my opinion. They should be able to find their way onto the field probably a year or so into their college career. I don't think they're going to pop right out of the gate, um, you know, like you would expect out of a Darius Clemens this season um, or a Donovan Edwards last season. Uh, but I want to ask you, what do you like about these two players? Because I think they're all, uh, both of these guys, pretty solid with what they do. Frederick Moore, I think, is a, a crafty route runner. He's not going to burn you uh, with the speed, but uh, a very skilled receiver. And uh, Samaj Bridgman, in my opinion, uh, can kind of do a little bit of everything. He's, he's a very versatile linebacker. He's big at 6'2", 230. And uh, you certainly like to see that out of a uh, defensive prospect at his position. So what do you like about these two guys? Oops, sorry, I wasn't unmuted. Um, yeah, I'm especially excited for Bridgman, um, considering that Michigan really turned up the heat once they uh, um, saw him in person and got his legit measurements. You know, they saw that he was actually, you know, 6'2", 6'3", which is really encouraging, and I think um, gave them the go-ahead to really push for him and eventually land him. So I think they really think they have something with him. Um, and it's kind of, you know, he's very toolsy, um, has a long frame and stuff, and they know that they have a few years to work with them with, a, you know, the young linebacker core that they have right now. Um, they'll have a few start seasons of Junior Colson, Nakai Hill-Green, and those guys um, before they have to rely on Bridgman. So I think you'll have uh, some good seasoning before he sees the field, and that should also be the case with Frederick Moore, given how loaded Michigan's um, wide receiver room is right now and the good class they had last cycle at receiver um it'll give him some more time um you know I do think people are down on him more than they should be because of his reported you know over 11 second um 100 meter time but you know that was when he was a sophomore um he'll have a few more years to improve that time and watching his film doing his scouting report he does look a lot quicker on the field um he's regularly pulling away from guys and plays a pretty good competition in Missouri so I think these are both solid guys that um, you'll see pop up a few years down the road. Yeah, totally. I, and I totally agree with the, the, the uh, what you just said about more with, with people kind of hating on him because of the uh, uh, reported 40 or not 40 time, hundred meter dash time that uh, yeah, you, it was from like two years ago. I mean, the kid uh, granted uh, has probably improved that time over the last two years. I, I can't imagine that. He hasn't. That would be uh, uh, very interesting for Michigan to take a guy who hasn't improved uh, in that fast of the game because it is important uh, from uh, a wide receiver perspective to be able to um, have the wheels to uh, get past cornerbacks and, and be able to uh, create that separation. But I, I don't think the uh, uh, reported time from two years ago is uh, accurate today. So I, I completely agree with that. Seth. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well about these two prospects. Uh, what do you think about these two guys? 
Yeah, and yeah, I think these are two guys that we we had talked about um, a few weeks ago in the podcast before, you know, about a week before they committed. So um, just to kind of reiterate some of those points, yeah, I, I agree about Frederick Moore. I think we're all kind of on the same page about him. Um, the fact that you know he's he's not the most you know athletically he's not gonna he's not gonna blow you away, but I think he can do a lot of good things in terms of his route running and just um, you know it, it's it's really gonna help him. Like like we talked about. Uh, it's a it's a really deep wide receiver room to to learn from and a really talented one so you know he's going to have that under his belt um, when he's you know when he's able to get on on campus is and even as he just watches um, you know watches from afar this season um, it'll be you know that'll that's going to play into his favor I think but he has he has a lot of good a lot of good tools that I think he'll be able to uh, to utilize in Michigan's offense once he once he gets on campus and gets a couple of years into his college career and Bridgman, the same thing. I think he's, you know, uh, reading various articles on, on him when he was being recruited. Um, I know, you know, Alabama was, was really high on just his versatility and his athleticism and in uh, a lot of the schools that, you know, the art, different articles you read, a lot of the coaches had uh, from various schools that had high, high praise of him uh, just in terms of the multiple positions he can play. You know, you can, you can blitz him off the edge as a, you know, and he can get to the quarterback, um, you know, sideline to sideline type of guy. And like John mentioned there too, with the young linebacking core with, with guys like, uh, you know, Hill Green and, and Junior Colson that, you know, he's going to have time to develop and, and progress. So, so they were, they were very comfortable in going after him and, and being able to land him and, and the same type of same type of thing. I think by the time he's a couple of years into his into his college career, that that he's going to see um, a level of of success to uh, in a lot of you know brings a lot of traits to Michigan's defense. Yeah, I, I think just give him a year or so, and these guys will be ready to play. I, I really believe that, and you know, two solid prospects, and you know, these next two guys that we're going to talk about also really solid prospects, perhaps even uh, better than those two guys, which is kind of. Uh, uh, interesting here that committed after. So let's, let's talk about these two guys. Last Friday, uh, Michigan received, in my opinion, a very hard fought commitment from 2023 four-star edge prospect Collins Achiampong. And I say hard fought because he was, he was originally supposed to commit on that same day that Bridgman and Moore did on July 1st. Uh, he had a moment of pause because of uh, Miami's NIL pitch to him he was reportedly going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars I don't know if that's completely true or not that was the report I saw so he moved back his commitment date a whole week and somehow Mike Elston was still able to get the job done and secure this commitment which is just brilliant he's uh uh, 6'7 255 pounds pounds at Champong is he's going to be playing high school football this season in the Trinity League in California, which is one of the top leagues in all of high school football in the entire country. He's going to be playing for Santa Margarita and we'll get to play against uh, schools like Matter Day, St. John Bosco. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, these are top high schools, uh, not only in California, but the entire country. Really interesting backstory is that he's a native of Ghana, hasn't had a whole lot of football experience, but in my opinion, that is perfectly okay uh, because Michigan has turned some players like that into superstars like David Ojabo and Quiddy Pay being the two most recent ones. So, uh, John, um, I want to pass it to you about Achiampong because he has a ton of upside. Uh, he's going to need a year or so probably in the strength and conditioning department 
and uh, learning the playbook, kind of just getting up to speed with uh, the game of football before he really contributes uh, to the Wolverines. But when he does, I really think this could be uh, one of the next first round NFL draft picks uh, at the edge position uh, coming out of Ann Arbor when his playing days are done. Yeah, this is a huge commitment. Um, You know, he is a really long six foot seven, which is going to help being on the edge there. I think he has a really high um, ceiling. You know, he's a four-star prospect without having played football um, really that much in his life and not in the last two years. Um, So I think it's a good thing that he's transferring and uh, getting to a school so he can play and develop a little bit more, Um, just get some game experience under his belt before he gets to Michigan. Um, and, you know, I think the, the expert scouts are really high in them. You know, they're talking about him maybe getting to the top 100 if he shows out on the field. Um, so now I think Michigan will just have to hold on to him. You know, they did good to stave off um, Miami's NIL pitch to him after he officially visited there. Um, but I think they'll have to keep fighting here um, and uh, to keep him in the fold. But I think they have a really good toolsy guy there that they can do a lot with. Yeah, he's he's super talented. He's got a lot of potential at the edge position. That is a guy that if they had lost out on him, that would have been a, a massive loss. And he he's only barely within the top 300. But I think by the time it's all said and done, he's going to move up quite a bit because he's going to have great competition for his senior season. And uh, he, he's really going to have the chance to uh, uh, shoot up the recruiting ranking. Seth, very quickly. Uh, running out of time on this call, Seth, uh, Seth your thoughts on Anchi and Pong and his commitment. I know uh, this is a really exciting prospect. You know, like I said, it's going to be interesting to to see kind of how he reacts um, actually being able to play football this year after a couple, um, you know, after a couple of years off. But but yeah, I think, you know, it was an interesting recruitment because obviously Miami was making that that push late and. Um, you know, it was one of those situations to where I think he's kind of thinking about at the end, like you, like you talked about, but, you know, I mean, he's, I think he kind of sees the trajectory of, you know, the past success that Michigan's had um, with players like him. And then, you know, the closer relationship with Quiddy Pay as well, that, that played at Michigan, um, you know, had to have probably played a part in it, but yeah, I mean, I really like him as a player. And I, you know, we talk about guys kind of, you know, needing, obviously he hasn't played a lot of football, needs development, you know, we'll see what he can do at the D1 level. But I mean, he has all the, all the tools, right? All the, all the natural gifts you would want in, in a player at his position. So I, I don't think it'll take him long at all. And I think we're going to see him, you know, when he gets back on the field, uh, dominate quickly. And I think, I think when he gets on, on campus in Ann Arbor, it'll be, and I mentioned, you know, in, in the scouting report I wrote from him uh, or for him that, you know, it, it's, it's a transition with anyone when you're, uh, when you just haven't played the sport very much, but I think he's going to catch on very quickly and, and be a really good player in Michigan. I sure hope so, man. He's got that potential. He's got the length and, and the skills. He just needs to uh, put it all together and, and who knows what, what could happen with that. So uh, very quickly though, let's, uh, let's talk about the final uh, commitment here over the last two weeks. And that is from uh, in-state four-star offensive lineman, Amir Herring is from West Bloomfield. And this recruitment was a, a total roller coaster, kind of going back to that analogy from earlier in the episode, because he got offered back in July of 2020, had crystal balls roll in for Michigan pretty much immediately after did not end the process early like some had expected him to. Michigan kind of cooled on him a bit, 
which led Nebraska to aggressively recruit him, almost get a commitment from him. But Michigan, luckily, was able to sway him back after getting him to officially visit Ann Arbor for Victor's weekend, lay out a solid plan for him as far as uh, the on-field uh, success will go. And uh, he pre- he projects to the interior, so he's he's going to play either guard or center. I, I think he's more likely bound for center, but we'll certainly see what happens. Uh, things could happen, so we'll see. Um, John, I just want to throw it to you very quickly. I'm just so happy this recruitment is over because it's been going on for so long and there's been so many twists and turns. Uh, so with Herring having uh, it, as high as a floor as any prospect Michigan's been recruiting this cycle, in my opinion, uh, what are your thoughts on him and where he projects to at the uh, next level here uh, and with his uh, college career in Ann Arbor? <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad that Michigan ended up getting him in the class. I think he could play either guard or center. Um, you know, just good to have these solid four stars from a pipeline program, um, you know, especially with a lot of Michigan's offensive line targets going elsewhere. So it's good that the bridges weren't too burned and that he ended up in the class. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think with the pipeline, with the relationships, it was just a win-win, very solid prospect. I, I think he has a massive floor. I think he's going to be a really solid college player. Seth? Uh, what are your thoughts on this finally coming to an end here? Yeah, just really quickly. Um, you know, it was it was good that Michigan was was able to land him. Like I said, it was it got a little interesting at toward the end where you know Michigan kind of cooled on him for a little while, ended up coming back, and you know they they rekindled um you know that relationship to an extent with Sharon Moore and and the rest of the coaching staff. So I think uh, one thing about Herring, I'll, I'll just make a quick point about just his game is you know outside of his uh, physical attributes. He just plays with a relentless effort. And if there's one thing that, you know, you notice from Michigan's offensive line um, last year is just that they had that, you know, level of nastiness um, that you, that you like to see from an offensive line. And I think he comes in and he fits um, just from a culture perspective that, you know, what Michigan um, wants to bring to the table in terms of just being able to, being able to pound the ball and really, uh, you know, lean on their run game um, and and trust those those five guys up front. So I think from a culture standpoint and, and just a pure effort um, standpoint that he's a good fit there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, overall, high character kid, high academic kid, high floor at, at the offensive guard or center position. I, I think he can excel at either one truly. So th- this is a great pickup should have happened much, much sooner, but A commitment is a commitment, and we will take them uh, no matter when it happens in the cycle. Guys, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks a lot for tuning in to Future Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where are you at, buddy? At Simmons underscore John. And Seth, what is your Twitter handle? At Barry underscore Seth 14. Follow Amazing Brew on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Five-star reviews on all of our podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate that as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more Michigan football recruiting.